Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. If you're looking for jewelry that makes an impact on your self-care routine and your style, Empowerography would love to offer you a discount code to one of our exclusive partners, Quartz and Canary Jewelry and Wellness Company. Please use code EMPOWER15 to receive 15% off upon checkout at www.quartzandcanary.com. Quartz and Canary is truly the place where spirituality meets style. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography podcast. Today, my guests are Andrea Wetzel. She is the founder of Ambitious Soul Coaching and Her Place. And we also have Julie Fair. She is a yoga coach and kind movement expert and an author. Hello, ladies. How are you both doing today? Morning. Thanks for having us. Yeah, amazing. Thanks so much, Brad. It is my absolute pleasure. Thank you both very much for taking the time to be here and share a bit about your stories and your journeys and being part of the Empowerography community. I'm honored to have you both here today. We're really excited. (laughs) Okay, well, let's jump right in. Andrea, we're going to start with you. Okay. So from a young age, you knew you wanted to be your own boss and a self proclaimed president of Andrea's business. A little (laughs) foreshadowing going on there at a very young age. Was entrepreneurship encouraged as a young woman in your family? You know, um, it was never discouraged. Um, Neither of my parents were entrepreneurs, um, but they were definitely supporters of my imagination. And they were my first customers of Andrea's business. (laughs) Of course they were. (laughs) So yeah, I I just, I always, um, I mean, I think I, I, I was born a leader. I just always had this sort of idea of, um, exactly where I wanted to go and exactly who I was. And, and yeah, that was, that was very much encouraged, um, in my childhood for sure. And, uh, and to always, you know, it, not, not to worry about what other people are thinking and, and to just always do what, what makes me happy. So I was, yeah, I started this little Andrea's business. It was, <laughs> um, it was in my basement okay. <laughs> and I, it was essentially like a retail store. I would take all my like toys and stuffed animals yeah. and I would like put them all on the stairs going down into the basement. That was the <laughs> shop. And, <laughs> And then I would um, coerce my parents to uh, to be my the customers in my store, and and they would pick up things they wanted to buy, and I'd write them up little sales receipts. And <laughs> yeah, it was I I would and I would play down there for hours. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's great that encouragement. I mean, I think that all of that stuff needs to be encouraged in our children from a very young age. This way, it it lets them know that they can do anything and they can accomplish anything they want in life and if they set their mind to it and they work at it. Yeah, absolutely. I was very rarely told. Actually, I don't ever remember being told you can't do that by my parents. So um, that definitely was, yeah, very grateful and, and lucky to have had that experience. Now, you're also very involved from a young age in horseback riding world and competition mm-hmm. for quite a number of years. You said that this helped shape you into who you would be as a leader. Can you talk a bit about that experience and how that shaped you into the woman you are today as a leader, manager, and entrepreneur? 
Yeah, I mean, animals are the best teachers in the world, to be quite honest, um, horses specifically, because they are very in tune with their themselves and their emotions. So yeah, I started riding when I was seven and I rode for probably 17, 18 years of my life. The latter half of that being quite competitive, I rode in a discipline called dressage. So if you're not familiar, it's essentially ballet on horseback. There's a set of movements that you and the horse have to perform um, wow. in, a, in a six to eight minute test. And it's a very much an individual sport, but there is a team aspect of it. And in 2007, I was named to the Canadian Young Rider Team, and which was like the highlight and got to go to Virginia to compete at um, the championships, which is really cool because they treat it like a mini Olympics. So there's opening and closing ceremonies. And um, so was such, such a highlight. But the biggest thing I learned um, riding and from horses um, was discipline, goal setting, patience, and a ton of personal responsibility because you, it's, it's you and, you know, there's two athletes, like it's you and the horse. And so you have to take, like, I had to take, I couldn't just say, oh, the horse, the horse didn't have a good day or the horse isn't great (laughs) enough. Right. Like we were a team or a combo. So there I learned personal responsibility really, really quickly. And, and in terms of my leadership, I was lucky enough to work with two Olympians as my coaches, one, one who was based here in Canada. And then one at the time who was based in Germany, she is Canadian. And so she would fly over often for clinics. And I learned so much from these women and, still look up to them to this day and and they really shaped who I was and they really just their approach to yeah. to training horses um their horse horsemanship is outstanding and, and just their approach to how they trained me and and you know moved me up the ranks was so inspiring and it's um it was an approach that wasn't out there usually the approaches like there's a lot of yelling there's a lot yeah. of you're not good enough and and not, again, none of those words were ever uttered to me, and I never felt that. So that's a big, a, that was a huge learning for my leadership, and and a really a big thing that I take into my life now. And when I am, you know, coaching people or even just in any sort of leadership role, they saw the ability in me, and that in turn, you know, has taught me that I fully believe everybody has the ability within themselves to do whatever they want to do. So yeah, it it one hundred percent shaped my my leadership style for sure amazing now speaking of coaching you're a certified life coach and the founder and owner of ambitious soul coaching how long have you been coaching and what expi- what excited and inspired you to become a life coach and start your business in that world mm-hmm. so i got certified uh in the summer of 2017 and at that time i was working um for lululemon and one of the best parts about working for Lululemon is they're very much, they're very invested in their people. And so part of my job as a manager at the store was to goal coach my staff. And that was my favorite, favorite thing um, to do just to hear people's dreams and visions and aspirations was so, so exciting for me. And I just kind of thought, wow, I'd love to really, really hone this skill. So I did research for a while to find a um, to find a certification that that aligned with me. Um, if you're not familiar, the coaching world is not regulated, so a lot of people call themselves a coach. Yes. Um, and I didn't <laughs> just want to be 
another, you know, air quotes coach. I really wanted to have, um, I really wanted to have that sort of background to feel really concrete in my, in my offerings and my deliverings. So I did some research and I got certified through the Certified Coaching Federation. And when I read a little bit about them, their founder is a massive horse lover and lives on a horse farm. So I was like, well, sign me up. This was meant to be. <laughs> um, yeah, so I went, the certification was over a weekend in Toronto and I, I got my certification and it, I specialize in, um, in goal setting. As I said, I really, yeah. really enjoy that for myself. And I enjoy seeing people, you know, crush their goals and, and work through the steps to get there. And so, yeah, it was, it was my time at Lululemon that really inspired it. And, and it's just cool to be a part, like a little speck on someone's journey to where they want to go. It's really cool to see people achieve what they, what they want to achieve. It is for sure to know that you had some hand in mm-hmm. helping these people or helping people achieve their, their goals and being able to give back that way is just one of the most incredible feelings. Yeah, definitely. Now, as you mentioned, you specialize in goal setting, but you also um, use positive self-talk to shift your habits. That's a difficult thing to learn. I mean, that's all enveloped around mindset shifts and, and things like that. So how do you approach teaching that skill to other people? So this was another thing I learned while I was training uh, with, for my big competitions while I was riding and, uh, my coach did a lot of visualization work with me. Okay. So that's how I, that's how I approached the, the positive self-talk as well, because it's so easy as we all know to just, to just fall so quickly into, no, I can't do this, or I'm not good enough, or just have all these, you know, limiting beliefs pop up. And it always fascinates me that, we're the first person to put ourselves down. Yes. And I think that's so crazy. I'm like, this brain lives in my head and it's the first one to tell me, <laughs> no, Andrea, you can't do this. So I'm, I'm so fascinated by that. So whenever those limiting beliefs pop up, it's really important. I do this a lot for myself. I think, okay, what is, what is the actual outcome I want to have? So I start to think about it. I start to visualize it, right? And it's really all about flipping the narrative. So it's yeah. how do you turn that limiting belief into an easy, actionable, positive step forward. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the biggest thing that I try and teach is it's one foot in front of the other. You don't have to climb the mountain tomorrow. You just have to do one foot in front of the other because then before you know it, you're at the top of the mountain and look what you just accomplished. Yeah, that's right. I mean, self-limiting beliefs can be absolutely crippling. Never mind the external noise from other people telling you Mm. you're crazy for doing this or you're actually leaving a full-time job to start a business in what? Do you know how many people are already doing that? But in addition to that, and I, which I think personally is, is the worst of it all is the self-limiting belief. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, it just baffles me that we're the first ones to put ourselves down. And, and, you know, and I know we'll talk about this later, but this is why Julie and I I created our um, our course leadership amplified, because we just saw that this, this big gap of, you know, there wasn't everyone's just talking so badly about themselves. And like, and we were both like, we got to flip this narrative. Like yes, everyone has the power to do whatever they want and absolutely. we want to be able to support that. So 100%. Now you are also the founder and owner of her place. Can you tell us a bit about what her place is all about and what the inspiration behind that was? Yeah. So her place was a collaborative uh, workspace for any 
female identifying person um, to grow both personally and professionally. So it was essentially a co-working space. I opened it in September 2018 in Newark and Ontario. And honestly, Brad, I was kind of sort of in limbo, not really sure what I wanted to, to do. And I was, this is the power of social media. I was just mind-numbingly scrolling mm. um, one day and I came across the space in Toronto that was exactly this, a co-working space for women. And yeah. all the light bulbs went off in my head. And I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I, I, do, I was so, I just felt so called and compelled to either be a part of that space or, or to make my own. Yeah. And so I thought, okay, well, I'm sure I'm living under a rock and this space must exist in my community. And I just have had, you know, I had no idea. And so I reached out to a few key people in the New Market community that I have uh, known for years and was like, does anybody know about this kind of a space? And, and everyone was like, this doesn't exist and this needs to exist. So go do it. Wow. And so, so I thought, okay, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do it. Why not? So I remember scribbling down like so many ideas on the post-it notes. And then I, I just was like, I have to do it. I couldn't stop thinking about it. So started to look for space. I had a very specific idea of of what I was looking for and where I wanted it and where I wanted it was you know the heart of Newmarket like on Main Street right really big community vibe and unfortunately I didn't get quite on Main Street but I got just a little bit off of it like a a five minute walk was where we ended up and I saw you know and then I I was getting discouraged because I wasn't finding anything exactly where I wanted it and then I reached out to a real estate agent friend of mine who I had known from the gym and and I was like, this is what I'm thinking. Do you have anything? He goes, yeah, I do actually. <laughs> and so everything sort of lined up as it should. And um, I got this great space and we did about a month of aesthetic renos to it um, because it was very old inside and I really wanted it bright and light and airy. Yeah. Um, so a month of renos and then yeah, opened in September 2018. And it was, it was so, it was just so amazing to see it, it being used and to see the community, you know, diving right in with it. We held many uh, workshops there. We held many um, educational series. We had private offices for women that ran their own business that didn't want to work at home. And then we had open community space. You just, you know, wanted to not work in the coffee shop. And because um, the biggest thing I was seeing was um, a lot of my friends were entrepreneurs and yeah. they were either working at home at the time. I know now it's like the norm, but three years ago it wasn't. They were working at home or they were going to Starbucks and just popping in their headphones. And as I was observing this, I'm like, okay, so you're at a house, but you're not telling anyone what you're doing. So it's not supporting getting the word out about your business. And so I thought, what if we had this space where as you're working on something, say you're an event planner, for example, and you can turn to the gal next to you and say, you know, hey, I'm so-and-so and I'm working on this event. Is this even something, you know, you'd be interested in going to? You could kind of get that market research built in in the space and so yeah. it, I always say co-working was the business model of course but the biggest part for me was that community building and yeah. and to be able to facilitate connections for people and um so yeah we held a lot of events there um it was really really a magical space and at the beginning of 2020 in January and February I was having um franchise meetings and oh, conversations wow. and then as we all know March 2020 hit <laughs> yeah. um and the whole world shut down. Yeah. So then it was a lot of literally just, you know, what the heck am I doing? And it was about, it was a lot of that for 
till about June of 2020. And I thought of, okay, you know, I could, I, I thought about making, you know, the space just all private offices because that way people could, you know, keep their distance. And then I thought, well, I don't even own the building. So that's ridiculous. Yeah. And, you know, and with everybody jumping to the online sphere and, you know, air quote pivoting, which I hate. Um, <laughs> I, I just, I, I really didn't have it in me to now make, I had, I, I was still working so hard to build this physical space and had worked so hard for the last two years to do that. I didn't have it in me to start from the beginning and work hard to build an online space now. You know, I just, it, it didn't feel aligned to me at all. And so I really kind of took some time. And, and then finally in June, I just, I made the decision to close the space. I mean, you, how do you pay rent when there's no income? Yeah. So um, I was lucky I had a good landlord and because I was in for a five-year lease and I pretty much just said, I'm, I'm out <laughs> yeah. and they were totally understanding. And I know that's not, hasn't been everybody's situation. So I'm so grateful for that, but it was really devastating to have to close the space that, you know, so many people were enjoying that. And I sort of had this trajectory of what my life was going to be. And, and then now I, I had to start over as well too. So uh, I took the summer off. I live, um, I live right by Lake Simcoe. So I paddleboarded every day and just really gave myself those two months to, to heal and kind of figure out, figure out next steps. And the, the coolest thing about uh, the space though, is the connections that women made in there and to yeah. still see them have those connections now and to still see them collaborating together because of the space that I built. That's yeah. what it's about. So, so it lives on, even though there's no physical. That's space. right. Community. You created a community and that's, that's what it's all about is community. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Julie. We didn't forget about you. Hi. <laughs> I've been so enjoying listening. I, I, you know, I, I heard Andrea's story. We spoke of Andrea's story ourselves together and I hear it several times over and I never get tired of, of hearing it because I just think she's a remarkable woman. So to yes. listen to her speak again is, um, it's just my honor to do so. <laughs> my cheerleader. There you yes, go. It's, always, it's always good to have one of those, right? <laughs> yeah. So Julie, you are a yoga instructor and have been a fitness enthusiast for years. What inspired you to begin your journey into the fitness world? Oh gosh, I have to say I came by it very honestly. Um, both of my parents in the early parts of their careers were phys ed teachers. My dad was a national wrestling coach, um, not all-star wrestling, like do I call it real wrestling? Um, <laughs> I always like to clarify that he wasn't coaching Hulk Hogan. Um, yeah, so he was helped support, coach the 1978 Commonwealth team. He was the head coach for the 1980 Olympic team. Um, but of course that year, the Olympics were boycotted. So I grew up, my mom was a gymnastics coach as well. And so we just grew up in an environment where not doing something wasn't an option. So I was a competitive swimmer when I was younger, a provincially ranked swimmer. And uh, my sister was a gymnast. My brother was a swimmer and we just, that was our life. Like we did school and we did sports. I burnt out of swimming. I decided I couldn't stand it <laughs> anymore. <laughs> and I ended up going more into team sports. So basketball was my, was really, truly my passion and volleyball as well. But I have to say basketball was my, was the, what I devoted most of my time to. And surprisingly, anybody who, who knows me and my, my physical body type, you'll be surprised to know I was also a provincially ranked 
high jumper, which wow. I don't look like a high jumper at all, but I just happen to have good springs in my legs and a very flexible back that served me well for a period of time. And so I always laugh because I, I held our public school and high school uh, high jump records. I lived in Thunder Bay at the time, only to be broken by my sister, yeah, <laughs> at least who actually had the, the long legs and, and, <laughs> and everything else. So um, yeah, she, so she ended up breaking my records, which I think her record still stands uh, back up in Thunder Bay. But I just, it, it, I just grew up in an environment where it's all that I knew. I can remember my dad taking us out to teach us how to run on a dirt road and because he'd been a track coach as well. And and it just, yeah, the discipline was always there, this, you know, and, and that has certainly translated throughout my life. It's just that the, the discipline of, of sort of taking care of, you know, my physical body and health. Not that I've always yeah. done a great job of it, but I, I've always had it to come back to. So how did you get involved in the yoga world? Well, this is kind of a funny thing because I was, I was definitely of the mind of stronger, harder, faster. I did not comprehend anything other than that sort of mantra. Everything I did was full throttle, whether it was playing basketball, playing volleyball, strength training, running, you name it. I was just full throttle kind of person. And so yoga had kind of called out to me a couple of times in my early 20s. And I sort of checked it out and I was like, yeah, I don't get this. <laughs> I don't get it. Back to the stronger, harder, faster. I just wasn't ready. And, and then sort of my mid-20s, I checked it out again. I think I went with my sister to a class. We tried doing partner yoga and all we successfully did was laugh our asses off and almost got kicked out of the class because we were... <laughs> We just were so immature, really, is what it came down to. And I was like, yep, still not for me, stronger, harder, faster. And, but it was this really, it was like I was constantly called to it. Like there was a part of me that just knew intuitively that there was magic in it. And at one point, I, when I was pregnant with my son, I started to do yoga in my basement. And, and that was sort of, and, and I, I was really conscious of going out into a studio to do it. I just really did it um, privately. And then eventually I attended a yoga class, a public yoga class. And it's the traditional story when you end up in Shavasana and you don't know why you're crying. That mm -hmm. happened. It's exactly what happened. I moved through the whole class. There was just so much connection, the community, the energy, the ambiance of it. And it was like in that moment, I felt that magic and went to go lay down in Shavasana, which is the final resting yoga pose in yoga, where you receive the gifts of your practice and everything else. And the tears just started rolling. And that's a very common response when really? you kind of finally have that, that connection uh, with yourself and the practice of yoga relative to intentional movement and breath. And that was absolutely the turning point for me and I shifted very much to this less is more mentality uh -huh. that has only only evolved to an even greater de degree been even more exacerbated by my experience since and so now I you know I just really truly believe that in many cases the less is more approach to life and living versus kicking doors down um, and doing so without necessarily intention or purpose or awareness oftentimes doesn't necessarily it may in the short term lead us to what what we think we want and desire right. but it may not serve us well in the bigger picture and the more I've kind of 
learned more about this, um, the more I really believe that there's so much value and so much healing uh, available to each and every one of us when we choose to slow down and practice awareness in present moment connection. That must have been an incredibly hard shift, though, when you're coming from harder, faster, you know, that mindset to shift to completely, that's a 180. Yeah, it probably took me about seven years. Wow. <laughs> a very slow journey and little dips of the toe in the pool and was like, yeah. yeah, I don't get it. I don't get it. And then, but life is like that. And I oftentimes when I'm working with, with my clients, you know, I'll speak about to the point of readiness and yoga is very much about readiness because right. our understanding in North America of yoga and we're getting better, but really when yoga started to become a thing in North America, we really defined it by the movement of the body and the practice of postures and sort of, again, the physicality of it. And it is one aspect of it and it is a beautiful aspect of it. But what's really magical about yoga is the depth of the experience and the doorways through which you can move of which movement is one, but there are, Uh, like so many other opportunities and doorways to move through in the practice of yoga and this idea of addressing the whole being, not just our physical being, but really beginning to see ourselves as whole beings and then living our lives as whole beings. So attending to our breath, attending to our physical bodies, attending to our mental, emotional health and well-being attending to our energetic beings, and then attending to those, those parts of ourselves, our soulful beings that are bigger than we are, our, our purpose, our, our reason to show up and serve the world. And we are all of these things. But oftentimes, as human beings, we really get stuck in our physicality. For sure. For sure. Yeah, it, it's quite the adjustment for sure. And would take a lot of work and a lot of practice. And as you've demonstrated seven years of, yeah. of that mindset to get to that mindset shift, right? For sure. And there was a time like I would be the one that like, you know, bolted up in Shavasana. I could last for maybe like 10 seconds. And I was like, okay, that's enough of that. I have to get up. <laughs> and and whereas now I settle into that experience and and really truly allow myself to receive the peace and the calm and the stillness and the steadiness of that. And you know, that is the yoga. Yoga is the yin and the yang. It is union. That is what yoga means. And, and that is, so it's union within yourself. Um, But again, if we think about that, if we can cultivate union within our own individual beings, and that is really in essence, where we need to begin, that ripples out, that creates community connection, empathy, understanding, kindness, compassion, love, you know, and we, we, we not only address ourselves as whole beings, but we begin to see and perceive others as whole beings, which allows us to hold more space and, right. and greater grace and understanding relative to how each one of us choose to move through the world and, and how we can do a better job together as humanity, right? Not fragments, um, not fragments of, of, um, you know, I often refer to that oftentimes as individuals, we're very fragmented. We see ourselves as a physical being and somehow our mental, emotional being is something different. They're not, it's all part of the same whole experience. And so I think we moving from that fragmentation 
to union, to connection, to, again, just awareness and this idea of holding space, not only for ourselves, but being able to hold space authentically for others. Yeah. Now, you have studied for your yoga teacher certification in California under some pretty big names and said it was a life-altering experience. Can you talk to us a bit about that and why it was so life-altering for you? Oh, it, it was it was unbelievable. It came at a time in my life where I was in a position where I had to start to think about an alternative. I'd had a business that I co-owned um, that I was very passionate about, but I had that business through a recessionary time uh, when the recession was going on. And there was also this massive road reconstruction and we just didn't have a war chest to sort of support the business. And I knew that the tough decision was going to come, that inevitably we were going to need to close the business. And I began to think about, and it was women's retail. I owned a women's clothing boutique with my sister in our local community. And we had built something really wonderful, but it was again under very challenging circumstances. And and it was my first sort of entrepreneurial experience. So it wasn't, or first sort of very individual, you know, going out there and, and kind of risking everything. Um, and came to the realization that I think that this is coming to an end. We'd had the store for about six years. And, and so I started to think, okay, if I'm not doing this, what does that look like? And, you know, I had done my degree in kinesiology, um, in my very early career, I was a personal trainer. I was very heavily involved in fitness. And I thought, well, that doesn't resonate the same way, but yoga does. And I, I thought that is going to be, that's going to be my next, the next shift I make. And I'm going to, I'm going to get us be a certified yoga teacher. I'm going to open a yoga studio and I'm going to serve and, and show up in this way. So before we'd actually made the decision, I registered for the uh, teacher training. I just thought I'm going to register. And a dear friend of mine decided she wanted to do it too. Okay. And that would, I was going to say, I probably registered for that in October, November of, of 2011. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it was probably, t- yeah, 2011. And in February, my, we made the decision to close the store and At the same time, I was going to be navigating a personal bankruptcy. So my life was really turned upside down, but I made, I'd made this commitment to go to this teacher training. So basically closed the store. And a week later I was on a plane going to um, Santa Monica raw as can be like probably not the wisest choice (laughs) to, to make, to go into a yoga teacher training where literally you peel back the onion layers to the essence of your soul and heart. But, you know, I have to trust that there was reasoning in that because I felt so called to do it and lived in a yurt for uh, 18 days with my uh, with my dear friend. And we had another roommate who I still am in connection with to this day. Uh There were 30, 35 of us that participated in this teacher training and we basically ate incredible food. We practiced yoga and I really was led by um, just incredible, remarkable, humble teachers that imparted their wisdom to me. And, um, and I just felt like I had been gifted such an incredible foundation um, through that experience Wow. To go from closing the store, filing for bankruptcy, right to, to getting your teacher cert. That's insane. 
It, it, it was, um, it definitely was. And I definitely had some very tough moments at the yoga teacher. I'm training. Sure. Yeah. Very, very raw. And yeah. there were times where, you know, things just resonated so deeply and I yeah. was grieving, right. I was grieving a great deal yeah. um, when I, when I went. And so there were certainly some challenges there, but overall it was an incredible learning experience i i was very challenged there and one of uh, my teachers in particular she was amazing because she she held space for me but she also pushed me she really pushed me to um meet things head on and didn't give me sort of didn't give me the opportunity to make excuses for myself but rather to step into the experience And so on one hand, I almost was not intimidated, but not, and not quite fearful. I can't quite think of the word, but I was, I was a little bit, it was almost like, oh gosh, I'm not sure I can handle that. So I'd kind of pull away from it a little bit. When it came to do my, basically my testing to go through, you know, all my class and my teaching, you had a choice as to which teacher you went through the testing with and I intentionally chose to go through my testing with her because I knew that it would be the most authentic evaluation of my growth at that time. And it was the scariest choice I could have made. (laughs) I felt at the time, but it actually ended up being the most rewarding and one of the most memorable aspects of it for me. And you know, and these are the things like, you know, Andrea and I speak to it often is just, you know, working, working the muscle of resiliency, right? And, and I think that is a muscle that seems to be that commands and demands my attention often in the you too. Thank you. And and that is certainly a lesson. And a deep learning that I've had in my life is, is just resilience, being able to exercise that muscle and take yourself through the most difficult, challenging, excruciating moments of life. Well, that's how we learn. And I mean, she was holding you accountable, which is what you needed at the time, right? Yeah. And there wasn't, you know, it would have been so easy to just have a soft touch and just, you know, and, and it wasn't, there was a lack of compassion. There was absolutely compassion and understanding, but it was also like, you've made a choice to be here and show up for yourself and I'm going to make sure that you do. And, and it was really, and it was really wonderful. And it really helped me move through some of my own fears and limiting beliefs. And, and it definitely allowed me to evolve into a new improved version of myself, which yeah, is really what we're all attempting to do, right? Is to yeah. grow and evolve and learn from our mistakes, from our fall flat on our face moments. And, and I certainly had my fair share of those. And, and, and so, yeah, it's just having gratitude for those experiences and they shape and form you. And that's exactly it. We need those thing. experiences. We do. And we don't know the goodness unless we have them. We don't know how to celebrate and honor and cherish and not take for granted the exquisiteness of life without knowing the deep sorrow of life and loss as well. For sure. You specialize in helping your clients overcome chronic and physical and, and or emotional pain and illness to help them reclaim their lives and return to empowered, feel good living. Why have you decided to make this your mission or your purpose with your yoga instruction? Okay. Oh, that's, this is a doozy of a question. Um, (laughs) When I, when I read the question earlier, I was like, oh man, this was, this is a doozy and it's a good one. So 
I, a couple of things. It is so incredibly relevant right now in the current circumstances that we find ourselves in, you know, relative to uh, what we're experiencing with COVID and how it's turned lives upside down and people are moving through grief, through loss. Um, lives have been shifted. And, um, and so it's at times like this, if we're not attending, we're the more challenging aspects of life can manifest, whether it's chronic pain, mental, emotional health um, pain, it's illness, perhaps in the form of cancer, uh, grief. This is, you know, very much a sign of the times that we are living in at this point in time. And, you know, as I have, I, when I, so my 200 hour I did in California, and then I made a decision that I was going to take a yoga therapy training and so I did my next 300-hour training at uh, Heaven on Earth Institute in Stony Creek, okay. and it too was life-changing. It was. Um, it is really about how to utilize the many, many doorways of yoga to support individuals in their healing journey from 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 anything from chronic pain to grief to cancer to autoimmune. Uh, disease, um, PTSD, the scope of it is just, is just huge. And so that really resonated for me for a couple of reasons. Um, One, I, at one point due to my harder, stronger, faster mandate in my earlier life. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. When I, yeah. When I turned 40, that, that, that came back to swiftly kick me in the rear end to say the least. And I ended up struggling very significantly with um, sciatica and lower back pain. And it was like, it literally was immobilizing to the point where I was that close to having a back surgery. I'd actually met with a back surgeon and we were, you know, going to be scheduling a surgery in the next six to eight weeks. And I'd been teaching spinning at the time. I had still been doing a lot of strength training. I was doing some yoga, but not to the same degree that I do yoga now. It was a very small piece of, um, of that puzzle. So I, I met with the surgeon. Our next thing was to plan the surgery date. But what I did after I met with him, and he wasn't a proponent of surgery. He, he wanted to avoid the surgery if it was possible, which was very refreshing. Yes. So I stopped everything I was doing with the exception of my yoga practice, which meant gentle movement practice, um, or what I like to call kind movement, yeah. mindfulness, meditation, yoga nidra. I pulled out all of my yoga tools and resources. And for basically six weeks, that is all I did. I nudged the edges of discomfort in my body. I would meet it. I would kind, like kindly, compassionately, patiently, lovingly. And then I would step back and give it the breathing space. And then the next day I'd come at it and I'd nudge it a little bit more until eventually I created the space and everything softened and let go. I had this opportunity to decelerate the, my amped up nervous system that was just in overdrive because of this chronic pain experience. So I was able to utilize that knowledge by the time I met with the surgeon and I walked in there like nothing was going on. And he's like, (laughs) holy smokes. And he's like, what have you been doing? And I said, I stopped doing this and this and this. All I've done is, is yoga and breathing and mindfulness And he said to me, if you were one of my surgery patients coming in for their follow-up appointment, I would say, you're rocking it. Just keep doing what you're doing. And it's now 
basically almost 15 years of, of pain-free living. Uh, and I get little glimmers of it every once yeah. in a while. If I'm a little bit negligent, my, my sciatica will just start to percolate a bit. And I'm like, okay, gotta, gotta get things back in check. And yeah. but literally Brad, like I have, I, I kept myself off that surgery table and like my body has quite honestly never felt better because of that. So that is certainly one of the experiences. And the other, which is even more, even more poignant, because oftentimes, again, chronic pain states and so on are also a consequence of mental, emotional health issues. And, you know, throughout my lifetime as a young, um, a, a teenager, I struggled significantly with depression, very significantly with depression. I had had two suicide attempts in my younger years at the age of 18. And at the age of 25, I worked really hard at trying to understand the depression and and how it sort of manifested for me. And, you know, I sought out counseling for myself at the age of 15. So I could, you know, figure out why I felt the way I felt. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm definitely an empath. I'm on the very highly sensitive side of that scale. So I feel things tremendously. And at a very young age, that was very overwhelming for me. I did not know what to do with that intensity of feeling and empathy for others in my life. So I really absorbed my environment and the people around me um, to a great degree. And at that time, I did not see that as being a particularly wonderful thing It because I didn't understand it and I didn't have the capacity to manage it. So I began to work at it very, very hard. And at one point I was like, I don't think I'm going to make it past my 30th birthday. Like I, this world is wow. just not meant for me. Yeah. This world is just not meant for me. I'm not made for it. And somehow I kept going. Somehow I kept working that resilience muscle. And so I went, I got through my thirties, which was a huge triumph for me. And then in the early thirties, my life just really opened up and I really stepped into my own. Like at one point, I didn't think I was going to be able to hold down a full-time job. I didn't think I was going to be able to finish my degree. I didn't think I was going to be a mother. I didn't think I'd be able to be a partner I, because I, I felt that my mental illness and struggles defined me at the time, but I kept working at it. And then in my early thirties, I found some traction with myself and really stepped into a very competent, capable human being uh, and very much in the driver's seat of my experience. And I ended up getting this incredible job, like career changing job. Um, you know, uh, it was incredible. And that really helped me step into my own. I did become a mother. Um, you know, I got married. Um, so all the things I didn't think that were going to, you know, be part of my life experience, I suddenly was happening for me. And I basically had, again, like this, I'm going to say 12, 13 year window of yeah. high function, like super high function. You know, I, I was very careful. I always understood there was a vulnerability to the depression right. and I had to be mindful of it. And so I, you know, I utilized all the tools I'd learned through my counseling the exercise, you know, I eat well, I sleep, I need to have my eight hours sleep. Yeah. I do my exercise, I run, I, you know, I eventually had yoga. So I, I came to utilize all of my tools and really stepped into this highly functional, you know, for lack of better terminology, just 
what I would have felt was like normal living. This is what normal living is supposed to feel like, right? Yeah. So fast forward to 2017 and, you know, some ups and downs, some entrepreneurial, continued entrepreneurial work. And in September, 2017, life as I knew it, and I won't go into the details here because it is a complicated web of things. And now in hindsight, looking back, I certainly can see the trajectory and how it was all going to implode in this moment, but hindsight's 2020. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) September, 2017 hits my life literally implodes on every level, every possible level, um, relationship wise, work wise, business wise. It was, it could not have, I I'm not quite sure anything more could have happened. Um, aside from, uh, you know, losing somebody in my life at that time through death, but there was lots of loss otherwise. And, and I, I, and I thought I had it, you know, I have always been known as the girl with the pink colored glasses. I'm the person Mm -hmm. that people go to when they want a problem solved or if they're struggling, they're like, Oh, talk to Julie, she will figure it out. And that was my gift. Like I, I, I could see the good. Um, I could spin anything. I could turn it around. And I thought, I've got this. I can do this. I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. And then there was this moment where I realized I don't got it. And I fell hard and fast and it was no, there was no middle ground. There was no going part way. I went from like pinnacle performance to the dark side and it happened just like that. And um, by November 30th of 2017, which is uh, my birthday, I was admitted into the hospital because of a suicide attempt. Holy and shit. A very serious one. Um, uh, you know, when I think back to my younger days, I would say my attempts were more what I would call calls for help. I can say with great conviction that on November 30th, I was done and I had checked out. I was very, very fortunate that my family was fast acting. I was very fortunate that there was a search dog that could come out to locate me. And I was gifted a second chance. Even at that time, I didn't realize it. You know, I was kind of like, I guess this isn't going to happen today. Um, But... Yeah. So deep breath in, deep breath out. I know that's a a heavy, a heavy conversation and subject, but I made a choice in that first, I went into the hospital and started the work of healing, which was absolutely grueling. No doubt. Yeah. Lots of incredible support. Um, I was so fortunate to be uh, looked after in the hospital that I was. I had a tremendous psychiatrist, uh, nurse, social work team, as long as, as well as the other patients that I was, you know, basically in the mental health ward with remarkable, incredible human beings. And I can just say that having moved through this experience, that mental health does not discern. I was surrounded with individuals from all walks of life. Yeah. And it does not discern. It is. And so much of the learning and healing was a consequence of the work I did with, with the fellow patients. And, and it was in the hospital you know, that I, I sort of thought, okay, what do I do with this? Like catastrophic, traumatic, horrible decision. And how do I navigate the shame? How do I do something good 
with, with this. And it was at that point that I sort of asked myself the question, you know, are you comfortable sharing this piece of yourself, this story of yourself to support transparency and mental health and, and, and conversation and, and, you know, peeling back the onion layers so that we level the playing field and recognize again, that mental health does not discern. We all have mental health. We are all going to be challenged. Our physical health and mental health are just as important as each other. And so at that point, that's when I sort of birthed Julie Thayer Yoga. So if you can envision this, and this is like typical Julie, on one hand, I'm having a meeting with my psychiatrist, trying to sort out how I got into this pickle and how I'm going to move myself out of it because I'm still not sure I want to. But then on the flip side of that is the girl that is when she gets her privileges to go out and get her Tim Hortons coffee, gets her phone for a minute and is texting her logo maker to say, could you please make a yoga for Julie Thayer yoga? (laughs) (laughs) So this is the diabolical nature of, you know, what I would call dysfunctional Julie and functional Julie. Wow. Julie that struggles to want to live in this world and Julie that wants to show up and serve this world because I recognize that my empathy and my sensitivity and my life experience is actually the greatest gift I've ever been given. And I, that is what compels me to live with grace now in so much ease and just this desire to show up, to share my story, to say, Hey, you are not alone. Your experience, yes, it may be different than mine, and that's okay. And I honor and respect that, but I'm here for you and I'll journey with you. And there is no judgment. I see you, I hear you, I feel you. And that is, that is really the impetus for me that really I looked at, and it was yoga again, yoga that I utilized again to take myself from the dark side and move myself back into the light. And I credit yoga for not only saving me from back surgery, but it literally has saved my life over and over again. And that is, that is the gift I wish to share. That is the difference I I wish to make in this world. So for those individuals and, you know, and I really think I, I specialize, you know, I do specialize in working in women's health in particular and trauma. Um, that is definitely my speciality. Um, and, and it just, you know, the way Andrea spoke as to what compels you and what resonates like that for me just resonates in the bones of my body. And I have no doubt that I am here to serve in this capacity so that others can make these connections for themselves and step into their most optimal version of self and living and life and literally reclaim their lives and, and empower their lives and empower their healing on every layer of their being so that they can be the magic that they're meant to be here. And Andrea says it too. And we both fundamentally believe this is that within, within each, every, within each and every one of us, there is magic. There is a capacity to leave, lead, to show up and serve humanity and this planet and this earth and make a difference and heal the world and that that is my calling and that is the reason I made that choice 
Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that vulnerable moment and the story. Incredibly brave, incredibly powerful story. Thank you so much for sharing that, Julie. That's incredible and happy to have you here on this side of things. So I'm glad things worked out the way they do. And yoga is your savior. I'm very happy to have you here. Thank you so much. So thank you for sharing that moment. Well, thank you. It feels really good um, to be here. So for, for those of you that may be listening, that find yourself, um, you know, hanging out in that dark place, um, I just want to say to you here and now, choose to keep going, choose to keep going, choose to work the muscles, choose to do the work and meet yourself there with kindness, love and compassion, but keep going because sitting here today with Brad and Andrea having this conversation again is one of the greatest gifts I could ever ask for. Um, So just, yeah. And reach out if, if you are in a place where you feel you need some support. Thank you, Julie. Mm -hmm. So can I I just say something? Yeah, of course. I'm just, I'm sitting here and and I'm just sitting here smiling. (laughs) Um, You know, I've, I've heard this story Julie shared a few times and it's, for anyone listening, this is, it is such a gift to hear her story because there's so much, there's so much resilience and there's so much vulnerability. And I think, especially now in this messed up world, we have to, we have to be vulnerable with each other and we have to connect. And, and there's not one person listening who you know, is a-okay with their mental health. It will look different for every single person. And I think, you know, it's such a gift to hear your story, Julie. And I I am, I'm sitting here with such a smile because Mm -hmm. I know the the courage that it takes to to go back to those, those, that time and space when you did feel those things. And these are the conversations that we need to have. Um, And I just want to reiterate again, if you are, feeling like you need support, Julie is by far the best person you can reach out to. And if she's not able to support you, she has an incredible network that will be able to support you for your needs. So I know it, it is a, it's a heavy conversation, and but it's, it's a needed conversation. So thank you, Julie. Absolutely. The, the conversations are needed. And I think that having conversations like this gives others permission to stand up and share their stories as well. So thank you again so much for sharing that, Julian. Thank you for your input as well, Andrea. I appreciate that. I'm so grateful to you both for, for holding the space and, and um, you know, and Andrea, it's been such a, an honor to journey with you these last three years in particular. And, you know, again, we show up for each other and, you know, Andrea, you are certainly one of those people who have shown up for me and, and we walk together through, through the ups and downs that both of us have experienced in the last couple of years. And, and that's what, what it's all about, right guys is, yeah. you know, unveiling when it's safe, of course, to do so with the yeah. right people. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But if you're struggling, finding that, seeking that out for yourself in some way, shape or form, because I'll tell you what, you are worth it and you are needed. You have, you value. have work to do. You have value and you have you have a contribution to make upon this planet for the length of time that we are each gifted here. And, you know, I'm constantly reminded of this, you know, in so many different ways, each and every day, 
And, you know, it's absolutely an incredibly humbling experience for me relative to my own mental health and well-being. But again, as there is with everything in life, the silver linings present themselves and you compel yourself towards them with the choices that you make. So, you know, choose you, choose yourself, whatever that means, just leave no stone unturned to get the help and support that you need. Absolutely. 100%. Wow. Well, (laughs) how did you ladies meet? Oh, (laughs) I'm going to let you take it, Andrew. We can rest my voice box and people can hear somebody different. (laughs) Um, So Julie and I met. um, So again, I was working for Lululemon at the time and Julie was one of our store ambassadors. Okay. And I think when we started, maybe your term was coming kind of to an end it's typically a maybe back then it was one year yeah I don't know anyways so yeah so that's how we met um so she would often come in store and and you know I think she even did some yoga classes in store for us we used to do like Sunday morning yoga before the store opened and yeah she would come in and shop and every time she came into shop we would probably stand for an hour on the floor just talking and catching up and much to the chagrin of my managers at the time probably but <laughs> um but Andrea, i was like get back to work yeah yes. this is work i'm talking to an ambassador <laughs> yeah so yeah that's how we met okay. and and then you know i remember when julie came in shortly before i was leaving the store to go pursue my coaching and, and open her place and again we had another one of those hour conversations and i kind of just unloaded it all on her um yeah. with my excitement and passion for it all and and we just we kept in touch and and then julie would came to the state to her place a few times and we were working together to do a couple events in 2020 we had you know gotten together and made some plans and then of course march march happened and derailed all of that but yeah. um but we both you know even after we had to you know, decide like we won't be moving forward with the events. And then of course, when I, when I closed the space, we, we held some online uh, gatherings called Empowered Truth Talks when COVID sort of first hit, because we had planned to sort of host these in the States. And we just felt um, just so connected to each other and, and just really kind of like, oh gosh, if we're feeling so like, what the hell's going on? I'm sure a lot of people are. So um, we had some guest speakers on those, um, on those talks and and then you know kind of when they wrapped up we did like a four-week series and and when it wrapped up we just we continued to feel like there was more for us um to do and to and to work together and that's how um leadership amplified was born very cool so how did you come up with the name and who came up with the name i think you did didn't you julie you know what? I think I might be guilty as charged with that. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. I, I okay. yeah, because you and I, you know, we were constructing this throughout COVID. So, you know, at one point we were, you know, meeting virtually trying to pull it all together. And then when things opened up, we, we were, you know, we were d- doing these major meetings on Starbucks patios and, you know, <laughs> rainstorms and everything else. But yeah, I think, I, I think somehow you're right about that. I feel like that resonates, but you know, I have to say, Brad, like for Andrea and I, it's one of those things. It's really interesting when there are just other forces at work that you realize that people come into your life and you literally collide with them repeatedly. 
And, and Andrea is certainly one of those people for me where we just have collided over and over again. And the resonance has been so great. And so when we started kind of, you know, with our empowered truth talks, and then it morphed into leadership amplified, it was such an easy collaboration, like absolutely effortless. Like you would think we had worked together for 25 years, the way it just flowed, it just came, there was no resistance. And it's been like that. Um, throughout our entire relationship. Like we're just simply are meant to be engaged together in this work. Um, you know, and I think, I think both of us are, are unique leaders. I think we, we have really made a conscious choice to be humble, transparent, authentic in our leadership, you know, recognizing our humanity, recognizing our, perfectly imperfectness and and not you know when we show up we show up as we are right with the the good the bad and the ugly because we are moving through life just like everybody else is so we're we're more we're really i think you know our whole purpose in coming together is just really creating this very authentic real experience for people who wish to meet themselves where they're at and amplify who they are, what they are, what their gifts are. And Andrea and I hold that space for them to do so. So can you tell us a bit about Leadership Amplified? Like give us a brief overview of the business and how it all works. Yeah, sure. I can, I can start. Um, Go for it. (laughs) So it's a, it's an on, (laughs) it's, um, (laughs) it resides as an online course actually. Okay. And it is for, part four module course that really is designed to move you from, we like to say like from lack to impact. So, you know, you're meant to do something, you know, you are meant for more than maybe where you're at right now. You're just not sure how to get there. So we move through four modules and they really build the foundation for you in terms of the first module uh, really helps you clearly define your values because as any good leader, you need to know what you actually believe in. (laughs) Yes. So you work through values work. You move on to module two is create crafting your, your own personal leadership story. And I, and this is a really important module because I think oftentimes when we hear the word leader or leadership, we're sort of innately drawn. We think right away to, Oh, you know, leaders are, you know, big, CEOs of Fortune 500 companies, right? Or we sort of think like, oh, I don't hold a management title at work. Like I'm not a leader. But Julie and I believe everyone is a leader, regardless of what your job title is or anything. We are all leaders in our lives, whether that's leaders, you know, a mother is a leader, a father is a leader. If you're just looking to be a leader in your relationships, um, or if you are really looking to be a leader in, you know, your workforce, you get to craft your personal leadership story. Um, so we do have some exercises in there to take you through that. And then module three is really about working through fear and kicking those limiting beliefs. So Julie has crafted a unique to leadership amplified meditation that it, she guides you through within that module. And really module three is sort of the where all of those layers kind of peel back. You work through one and two and you think, okay, yep, I, I'm clear on my values now and I'm excited to craft this vision. And then you work through that meditation and you go, oh shit, this isn't as easy as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. A few of our um, participants have 
called it the sneaky module. And because it's, you know, as we talked about before, those limiting beliefs, like you were saying, Brad, they can be so crippling and, and we, you really need to address them to understand, you know, where they're coming from and why you're having them before you can flip the narrative on them. So mm-hmm. we very lovingly create that space in module three through that meditation. And then module four, you, uh, it's kind of a culmination of everything you have worked through, through module one and three. And it is where you write your leadership impact statement. So your manifesto as a leader in whatever area of your life you want to you know, take your leadership into. And then those, you know, three to four really strong statements become your affirmation. So when things are, you know, challenging and your leadership will be challenged, you have those to kind of fall back on. And again, you've just, you've built yourself this beautiful foundation through this course. I love it. Sounds incredibly transformational. Just amazing. It's powerful work. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I think, you know, one of the things that Andrea touched upon, and I think is, you know, in order to, to show up and lead in the various roles that, you know, each one of us has in life, we, you know, there are many different roles that we each fulfill as we move through the days of our lives. And, you know, at the very start of that, at the, you know, the, what's most important is how we lead ourselves, how we choose to lead ourselves. And, and I really feel that that's the point of difference with, with leadership amplified is that it takes you inward deeply again, a little bit sneakily, but <laughs> it, it, it takes you inward deep, deeply. And if you're wishing to create change of longevity, you know, true evolution and transformation of yourself, there are no shortcuts. Um, if you take the shortcuts, they will swiftly kick you in the ass later on. It, 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 it comes back to haunt you. And I think, you know, more often than not at some point. And I think, again, Andrea and I just very mindfully crafted it in such a way that you have no choice but to go inward and meet yourself as you are. And that is meeting your magic. It's meeting your vulnerability. It's, you know, understanding your gifts, your, your way of showing up and being of service to the world. It's understanding your expertise, valuing your expertise, owning it, you know, standing in that magic with competence. Right. And, you know, again, these limiting beliefs, these fears and being able to understand what they are. And once you recognize what the fears are and the limiting beliefs, we have this capacity, the way we work through it is to actually help you trans transform those fears into impetus for change into, into movement forward. How can you leverage your fear? How can you understand that the fear that you have is actually not putting you in physical danger. You know, our, our nervous systems and so on are there to, to keep us safe. And so many, many times the nervous system, I'll call it a bit of a misfire is like, okay, scary, scary, scary. There's fear. So therefore I must be in danger. So therefore I shouldn't go. I shouldn't do, I shouldn't. Flight or flight. Flight or yes. And understanding that the vast majority of our fears 
are actually not life-threatening fears, right? They're, those are moments of our lives. Um, but generally speaking, the fears that we carry, fear of speaking out loud, of speaking our truth, of, you know, of stepping fully into who we are, of, you know, unveiling our hearts and those types of fears, you know, those fears, those are the ones that we can manage. Those are the ones that we can look at, understand and say, okay, I feel you and I'm going to do anyway, because I'm not in imminent danger here. And I can take this calculated risk. I can nudge the edge of that discomfort, try it on. And more often than not, you're going to have some success and it's going to open up a doorway that perhaps you had closed to yourself before. But again, we're not kicking you. We're not kicking that doorway down. And, and leadership amplified is very much about that. We talk about it, nudging the edges of that discomfort, trying it on, breathing in it, being in it, getting that that new level of comfort, that new tolerance for for stepping into that discomfort. And that's what helps us exercise the muscle, build the confidence, build the resilience. Exactly. Um, stepping outside that comfort zone. Yes. Nothing yes. grows. Nothing grows in a comfort in the comfort zone, right? You have to step outside and test yes. yourself and test your as you say your nervous system the automatic reaction to fear is to protect yes so you shut down oh forget it i'm not doing that and it makes sense but it's yeah. like again this awareness right when yes. we when we practice awareness really settle into that place of awareness going inward attending to breath and sensation and your mental emotional state your mood your energy all of these things they they offer up insights to you every single moment of your life. And so often we are moving at such a pace through life. We are not paying attention. We are not grounded in present moment. We are missing the insights. We are missing the valuable information that is coming back to us that actually helps inspire mindful, purposeful action that compels us to our optimal state of being, to our optimal state of leadership with ourselves, being able to lead ourselves through the good, the bad, and the ugly of life, because it is going to happen. It is unavoidable. We are all going to suffer in our lives. Um, It's just that is the yin and the yang of life. However, how we choose to lead ourselves through that experience, how we choose to meet ourselves and others in that experience that's the defining difference. That's what allows us to meet these ups and downs of life with a grace and a peace and equanimity, a capacity. You can trust yourself. Oftentimes when we're faced with those kinds of things, we don't trust ourselves. We don't know how to make an informed decision for ourselves because we're literally disconnected. There's a disconnect between what we think we know about ourselves and what we actually know about ourselves. For sure. Ladies, what do you... For each of you now, this is this goes to both of you. So what do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become mm. successful? Let's start with you, Andrea. My intuition. Intuition. Okay. Yeah. It, sorry, sorry, Andrea. Go no, ahead. No, no, I I it quite literally has never let me down. Okay. Julie? I am going to say it's my my capacity for empathy and sensitivity. It's you know, whereas before I would have thought it was my nemesis in actuality. It has become my greatest gift and I, and I celebrate it. It's not, it's not easy. I have to be very conscious as to how I hold space and how I rest and restore myself relative to that. But what a, what an honor it is to, to feel so deeply to see others and feel their experience so deeply 
and be able to show up and hold space and support relative to that. So I think for me, that's been, that's where things have really shifted. And and I celebrate that aspect of myself and, and I wouldn't trade it for anything as much as it's in some ways risked my life in some ways and, and so on. I think that again, it's my purpose. We to need to present. celebrate these little things that we need yeah. to celebrate every part of ourselves, not just yes. certain parts. Every part needs to be celebrated. Yeah. I love how you refer to them as superpowers, Brad, because <laughs> I, I just, you know what? I think we get so accustomed to, you know, when we think about superpowers and we think about superheroes and, yes. you know, the Thors of the world and their big hammers yeah. and it's always larger than life. Right. But I think, you know, in this conversation today, relative to all that we've talked about and covered, is just that recognition that each and every one of us in our own way are moving through these, this world. We have a choice to move through it as a superhero to connect with our superpowers and to, to, you know, when we have that opportunity to understand what that superpower is and turn it into something wonderful and magical that makes a difference. Like just imagine if we all tap into that, if each one of us had the capacity to tap into our superpower, as you've asked, like how remarkable would that be? For the world. Oh, what an amazing and world it would be if we all recognize that we yeah. all are the superheroes of our own stories. Yes. Mm. And we truly are like, For but sure. it's the awareness, right? It always yeah. comes back to this awareness and recognizing we get so lost in the shuffle of life and, and we stop paying attention. And, and then, you know, what we, what we might not feel like a superpower at one point, because it's what's hurting us the most at a particular time. But that's probably because that's the work we're meant to do. We're meant to work right. that muscle, refine it, understand it, hold the space for it, so we can action it mindfully and purposefully with intention and make a difference, but not at the expense of ourselves, right? right? And that's the beautiful part of it. And, you know, and I think again, for, you know, Andrea, if I can speak for you and, and relative to our experience with leadership amplified is that really that is the amplification, you know, it is, it is leadership amplified for that reason, because it's about how do you, let's not sweat the small stuff. Let's not worry about what you might not be your greatest skill set. Let's think about what is, and let's talk about how we can amplify that. So you can speak your truth, you can live your truth, you can engage, you can make your difference, you can, you know, help transform and heal this world and do your part. And it's a grassroots, this is the grassroots initiative. It is going to be each and every one of us that has to be showing up making a difference for us to really see the difference. It is not going to be the politicians and, and what we think of as the traditional leaders. It's going to be the choices of each one of us to show up and lead relative to our area of expertise, our gift, our purpose, whether you're a mother, a father, a CEO, um, whatever, that's, that's, that's what it's all about. For sure. Yeah. How do you define success? What does that word mean to you? I think for me, it's just looking back and knowing, like not having regrets, knowing that I, I took the leap and, and got out of my comfort zone and, and did the thing that felt so impossible to do that. Yeah. That's what it is for me. I, mm -hmm. I really, I don't want to, you know, at the end of my life, I don't, I really don't want to look back and go, man, I wish I had done that yeah. thing. And, and I remember people saying that, you know, 
that sort of concept when I was a kid. And when you're a kid, you're like, whatever. <laughs> the yeah. world's like, I'll be, you know, you're so old. Like, I'll never be that old. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because <laughs> youth then, forever, right? <laughs> yeah. But then you, you know, you grow up and, and you start to see things differently. And, and that's, yeah, that's success to me okay. that I, I don't have regrets. And I, and I took the chances. Okay. Yeah. Julie? I love that, Andrea. You know what? I think for me, I define success Success for me is really about love. I, for me, that is a very central theme in my life. My capacity to give and receive love, to be a loving human being upon this planet to the very best of my ability. You know, again, like everybody else, I have perfectly imperfect moments, but that is my practice is to love when it's hard to, and for me, that is success, you know, being able to, to move through all that white noise, through the discomfort, through the pain that can exist in this world. But to come back to that place of love is as the beginning, middle and end, which is actually what was my social media post today, but becomes very relevant in this conversation is for me, it's the beginning, middle and end of the story. It is, you know, it all comes down to love and the capacity to love each other through this journey and to to leave a a world that is loving and kind for our children and their children. And, you know, the time is now. And, and, and for me, that vehicle is, is love and connection. What is one of the best pieces of advice you've ever received? Ooh, I have a good one. Uh Um, So this was from one of my um, riding coaches. I actually have it framed in my office here. It's a, it's, it's more of like a quote, but so she would always say this to me that perfect practice makes perfect. And why I, why it's really resonated with me and, and it's, you know, a piece of advice I always come back to um, is that if you don't show up intentionally to do something, you're, you're just sort of half-assing it. Right. And so, especially when I was training, you know, you had to, you have to show up and and be ready to train. I couldn't just kind of get on and mosey around and be like, well, that wasn't great. You know, like, so I think just just having the the courage to show up for your, for yourself and and for the intention you've set for yourself. um, I always, I always come back to that saying from her. Mm -hmm. I love it. Julie, how about you? I have two. Okay. They're quick ones. Um, (laughs) One is, Put your oxygen mask on yourself first. Yes. And and that is just when it comes to addressing self-care, self-love. Yeah. And and stepping into your optimal state of being in any given moment, the choice has got to be to put the mask on yourself first and foremost to fill your bucket so that you are not operating from a deficit or at the expense of yourself. And if you do that, the abundance in all the other layers of your life is just a natural consequence of that choice, that conscious choice. So that's a big one for me. And another, uh, my beautiful stepmother said this to me and I repeat it to myself often is Julie, you've healed before you've recovered before you can do it again. Mm-hmm. You've, Beautiful. you've, yeah, you've, you, you know, you can do it. You've been successful at it before you have yeah. recovered. You've done what it takes. Yes. You're here now. It's horrible, but you have a history of healing and recovery. So you can do it again. Trust yourself. 
And my stepmother said that to me when I was in the hospital in 2017. And it has guided me in the days that have followed. Beautiful. I love that. What is one of your favorite quotes? Oh, boy. (laughs) Let us be grateful to the charming gardeners. Marcel Proust, Proust, and I'm not going to, because you caught me off guard, but let us be grateful (laughs) to the charming gardeners, blossom our souls, who is something to blossom our souls. Yeah, Marcel Proust, let us be grateful. And it's about those that are in your life that, you know, nurture and nourish basically the earth to sustain and support you and, and help you keep going. Andrea? I can't remember who said it, but it's something along the lines of, it's something like, you know, that moment, something feels off. It is. So trust it. Mm-hmm. Okay. I can't, yeah, I can't remember who said that, but it, it's something to that effect. Yeah. Again, just that intuition, anything sort of gut related or intuition, I'm, I'm all for. <laughs> <laughs> and I think one we both love, Andrea and I both love, and it's a Brene Brown. Mm. Um, the arena, the arena. And it's, it's a quote that she has built upon and then put back out there. And it's about being in the arena and, you know, basically, you know, don't, if you're not in the arena battling Mm -hmm. with me, then don't judge. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, if you're not in the arena, then, and it's just the whole thing is just the visual of it is just so profound. What does the word empowerment mean to you? For me, it's you're, you're showing up authentically to inspire others around you. Yeah, it, it has a lot to do with authenticity for me. Okay. Yeah. Julie? For me, I'm going to say it means stepping into the driver's seat of your life and your experience. I love that definition. That's a great definition. Love that yeah. one. Stepping into your, because you, at the end of the day, that's the choice we have to make. Um, or we, we have the option of making for ourselves and, mm. and only we can do that. Only we can make that choice. Only we can, you know, deny the naysayers. Only we can shut down the limiting beliefs and fears. Only we can take that step. And, you know, and when you can step into the driver's seat of your life, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally, soulfully, then you own it. You're, you are, you own it. And that's just such an incredibly beautiful, empowering, gracious, humble place to be. Very powerful. Okay. We're going to jump into a little rapid fire section here. So the next grouping of questions, just like one, two, three word answers. Okay. Okay. Sure. How would you describe yourself in one word? Intuitive. Grace. Money or fame? Money. Money. Early bird or night owl? Night owl. Early bird. <laughs> like early, early bird. <laughs> like the day before. <laughs> if you could teach the world one thing, what would it be? To be kind to each other. Mm, to love. What's one thing you want but cannot buy with money? Gosh, do you stump all of your... 
guests like this. <laughs> <laughs> I like to. I like to. It's good. It, it's at least it, they're thought provoking questions. They're I want wonderful. my guests to think. I don't want it to be simple. Mm. You know what? For me, I it's uh, something around just humanness. Just mm-hmm. this understanding on this planet that we are all we are all human beings doing the very best we can. It does not matter what we look like, what our size is, what color we are, purple, pink, blue, green, you know, how we identify. Can we learn how to love and identify as a human race and humanity and with no boundaries, just a pure, loving, kind, compassionate, patient acceptance of one another and this journey? Andrea? That was more than three words. <laughs> yes, that was. Um, I, I was going to, yeah, similar. I would say equality or compassion. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you came with a warning label, what would yours say? Caution gets hangry when not fed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, All that's right. fantastic, Andrea. <laughs> Mine would say caution. We've got a live one here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> What's the first thing you think when I say the word future? Change. Julie? Hope. If you had a theme song that played every time you walked into a room, what song would that be? Boy. She's walking on sunshine. (laughs) And don't feel great. (laughs) Okay, Andrea? Uh, I'd say This Girl is on Fire by Alicia Keys. Love that. Julie, you just wanted to say, oh, I was going to, I should have said that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I should have said, no, I'm you good. I'm good with walking voice. on sunshine. <laughs> well, Katrina. Katrina and the waves. You got it. Entrepreneur life is? Rewarding. Is an adventure. My favorite way to unwind is? A big glass of wine. <laughs> <laughs> A big, big glass. Yeah. <laughs> A bottle sized glass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The bottle of wine. <laughs> Julie? Oh, come as no surprise. Yoga and writing. Mm. Okay. Yeah. All right. That concludes our rapid fire. Whew. It <laughs> was hard for you, wasn't it, Julie? <laughs> when you tell me I have to say things in like three or less words, that is like, <laughs> are you kidding? What's the most recent investment you've made in yourself? Ooh, I've been seeing an osteopath. Okay. And that. Yeah, that's been like, if anyone has never had their diaphragm released, <laughs> I, I highly recommend you have that done. It's literally like, I didn't realize I was, and of course, with this, everything that happened this past year, I knew I was holding stress. I didn't realize I was holding that much stress. And so, yeah, to have your diaphragm released is is pretty amazing and and to create space in your body for the good things to move around in there. It's just yeah, it's amazing. So that's that's what I've been doing for my myself lately. Okay, Julie. Well, I am writing a book and so I am working with a book coach and I've invested in working with a book coach to bring that to life. Beautiful. Mhm. If you could step into my shoes, what would you have asked yourself that I didn't ask you? Mm. Mm-hmm. I Stumped would again. Yeah, I would say I would ask myself what keeps you going. Okay, what keeps you going? <laughs> I think a lot of things actually. My the fact that I know I have been blessed and graced um with a life that a lot of people 
have not. Mm -hmm. And I feel the drive to, to keep going for those, for those who can't, um, for whatever reason that might be for them. Okay. Julie. How, how did you find the will to live when you didn't want to? Okay. How did you do that? I just decided I, I looked at my son who's 15 years of age. He was 13 at the time. And I thought at the very least right now, you live for him. Yeah. You live Mm. for him because that kid deserves to wake up with his mother present for as long as she possibly can be. So you live, you know, learn how to live for yourself, but right now you live for him. Okay. If you could sit down and have a one hour conversation with anyone in the world alive or dead, who would it be and why? Should we have coffee with Brene? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Settles that. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. I won't speak on your behalf, though. That just popped into my head. I could just see the three of us like having this like, you know, stellar conversation and she'd be like nodding her head like, oh, yeah, girls. (laughs) Yeah, you got this. Totally. You courageous, vulnerable freaks. She definitely came to mind for me as well. Also, Glennon Doyle has written Untamed, which I now dub as my Bible. I've read it like five times through. (laughs) But also my dad, who is still alive. I don't know. I just like adore him. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Yeah. Yeah. The best would be Brene and Glennon. Okay. We may as well do it with them both, you know, just because it's a once in a lifetime. So I think that that little foursome, that would be like mm. unbelievable. All right. And yeah. And I, I would love, I would love to have done so with Mother Teresa. Okay. If you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? Believe in yourself. I think I would tell myself that you have to go through the hard stuff to get to the good stuff. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Lastly, ladies, if you were to deliver your last 30 second speech to the world, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? Holy sugar. Muffin. No, how do you? <laughs> <laughs> it would definitely say something to the effect of something around, you know, I sort of, I'm picturing like a big billboard that just, you know, says hmm. like, be kind. I think, there's so much unnecessary hate for so many unnecessary reasons. And, and, you know, if, if I do anything in my life, I hope it's that I create a space for people to feel safe. And, and I would just want, I would want that. I would want to go out, you know, with that legacy behind me. Mm. Julie? Immediately for me, it came up as a thank you. Mm. Just expressing gratitude to the, gratitude to the planet for for the animals for the foliage for for the humanity for the experience for the darkness for the light for the love you know i feel like i have in my lifetime experienced the most exquisite love and you know and i feel like i've been able to give that as well and if that is my legacy, if I, you know, the legacy I leave behind is she loved, she mm-hmm. loved everything and everyone every day to the very best of her ability. Beautiful. 
Ladies, thank you so much. This has been such an incredible conversation. Twists and turns and amazing. (laughs) Just so inspirational and just overall just an incredible conversation. I thank you both so very Mm -hmm. much for being part of the Empowerography community and for taking the time to be here today and share a bit about each of your own personal journeys and stories. And then of course your journey and story together as well. So incredibly inspiring. I appreciate you both more than I can tell you. Thank you. Thanks so much for having us. It's been a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful time spent. Absolutely. I've thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. It's just been so amazing. Well, thank you. And thank you, Andrea. It is always, um, always such an honor to be present with you and to share these conversations, to hear you share your story. You inspire me every single day. So I can't thank you enough for that. Oh, well, I'll just be smiling all day. (laughs) We'll all be smiling ear to ear all day. And that's the magic. Yeah. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guests have been Andrea Wetzel. She is the founder of Ambitious Soul Coaching and Her Place and Julie Thayer. She is a yoga coach and kind movement expert and author. And together, they are both the founders and owners of Leadership Amplified. Thank you both again so very much for being here. I appreciate you both. And I'm so happy to have you both as part of the Empowerography community. Such an honor. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have an amazing day, ladies. You too. Take care. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca, follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast, and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.